0: Good morning, you guys. Um, Thank you guys for having me again. Um, Every time I come, it's always a blessing, always an honor. I I get so much joy whenever I get a chance to come and hang out um, with with Hillcrest. Um, You guys have always been, um, you always welcome me with open arms and just a bunch of love and grace and and the atmosphere is just uh, really, really cool. So um, thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm going to be uh, sharing with you guys or attempting to land the plane in your um series so hopefully i land that thing and you know i'm saying i got the clock on me and and if hey i'm hey buckle up y'all we're gonna try to bring this thing down so um hopefully we can bring it down on time okay dave but i didn't bring my watch all right thank you so um i want to start today off with just a quick question how many of you guys have ever met someone famous someone famous okay sweet can i just real quick if you don't mind just kind of um, send that out loud real quick. Who you met? Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz. Okay. Oh, that's a nice one. Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash. Nice. Bart Starr. Bart Starr. Okay. Bart Starr. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Okay. All right. I'll take that one. Any, Anybody met any 49ers? We had a, somebody that met Jerry Rice. He, we, he had to come up and sit in the front. <laughs> yeah. Anybody met a 49er in here? No. No. Dang. All right. Maybe a Green Bay Packer. Yes. Give me yours. Jackie Robinson. That's a good one. Oh, nice. Wow. Walter Payton. Walter Payton. Wow. Nice. So, um, I can see you guys have also met, um, and there was a bunch of awesome names that popped up in, um, first service. But, um, I asked that question intentionally, um, because I want to share with you the first time I had a, uh, an encounter with someone famous. Um, and this person, um, was, was, had, a, had a huge impact on me, not just because of who he was, but because of the impact that he was having throughout our community at the time when I was coming up. And the person that I want to talk about briefly real quick is Magic Johnson. Who heard of this guy right here? Wow. Okay, nice, nice. Okay, so any Laker fans in here, by the way? No Laker fans? Oh, I don't even feel the spirit moving right now. This is like, no, this is not, this can't be it. The, okay. <laughs> I like it. Okay. So, Magic Johnson, um, was the person that I met and I never forget the day I met him. Um, we were going to me and my twin brother, Peanut. Um, I, I, the first service says that we are family. You can call your family by their nicknames and you can just have relax and have let it out. So I'm just going to relax and let it out. Second service too. So I was, uh, me and Peanut decided to go to the movies and there was this movie theater by the name of Magda Johnson theater. He had, um, an impact in the community and he had to uh, develop the movie theater there. So we went to the movie theater And we were walking in the theater, and as I was walking in, Peanut needed to use the restroom. So Peanut kind of took off, um, and I was just kind of walking over towards where the theater is for the movie uh, by myself. And as I'm walking in, I kind of have my head down, and all of a sudden, I kind of bump into this guy. I look up, and lo and behold, it's Magic Johnson. So I don't know if any of you had a chance to interact and have much interaction with the person that you've met, but um, as you're interacting, you got all of these things that you could say when you're interacting with that person you meet. But the only thing that can come to my mind and heart and even mouth at the time was, you're Magic Johnson. <laughs> and uh, he looked down. And he goes, hey, what's up, buddy? How's it going? And, and he's trying to edge on a conversation. And the only thing I can say is, you're Magic Johnson. And then he tries to go a little further in that conversation and tries to spur on a little conversation. And, and, and lo and behold, the only thing I can get out you're Magic Johnson. You know what I'm saying? So in the split moment, the only thing I can think of is, where's Peanut? Like, where's my brother? And I literally shoot off. I remember this. I was just running through people, and I remember that he was in the restroom. And I literally kick in the door like I was a SWAT. Boom! Peanut! And everybody's turning around like, what's going on here? I'm like, Peanut, where you at? And I'm like, going through every stall. It's starting to look get kind of awkward in here. But it's like, I'm literally searching this restaurant. I'm kicking in doors. And I'm, Peanut, where you at? Peanut, Peanut. And like the, the stall was locked, right? So I, I, I was like, I got to tell Peanut. So I jumped up on top of the stall. Peanut, like, you got to get out here, Maggie. He's like, what are you doing? And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking like, okay, he can't hear me because of where I'm at. So I jumped down under the stall like, Peanut, you got to get out here. Maggie Johnson is out here, you know? And Peanut's like, if you don't get out of this restroom right now, And it was like this weird, awkward moment, right? But I think the passage that we're going to unpack today is similar. We're going to talk about a woman's encounter with Jesus. And we're going to talk about how through that encounter, she couldn't do nothing else but go off and tell people about that encounter. Just like I was in that movie theater. You see, when I encountered Maggie Johnson, it was like like everything that I had heard right there in front of me. It was like everything that my stepdad used to tell me right there in front of me. It was like the, the vivid memories that I have of watching him on that TV screen was right there in front of me. And nothing but joy started to stir about from this encounter. And the only thing I can do in my joy was go off and try to tell someone else about it. And that's exactly what I think this passage is going to be unpacking. So let me pray for us as we dive into this today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for today. We thank you for this time, for the opportunity uh, to share with your precious, uh, loving people. I pray that you um, bless this time. I pray that I decrease so that you may increase, God. And I pray that you give me the peace, the clarity, the wisdom to communicate your love with grace, with love, with passion, with power. And I pray that that encourages us uh, to want to be um, not just a uh, living proof by our uh, our head and our, our heart, but also by our hands. So, um, would you bless this time in Jesus? Wonderful name. We pray. Amen. So, um, real quick, you guys, um, um, like with first service, I want to start off the service or the sermon by ultimately just kind of laying a quick foundation. And the reason I do that every time I preach is because it is my passion to, to ultimately try my very hardest to communicate, um, The thought pattern or or somewhat of the thought pattern of the inspired writer, because we believe that it's the thought that was inspired, right, that inspired each author to kind of write what they were writing, because that's the thought that's coming from God himself. Right. So this writer, as he's sitting down, drafting this book has a reason he's drafting it and he's writing to a certain pe- group of people, and he's trying to communicate something. And that that he's trying to communicate is ultimately the inspired thought of God itself, okay? So that is very, very important. And, and, and so this writer, from the moment he starts the book that we're going to unpack right now, in John chapter 1 says, In the beginning the word was uh, with God, and the word what? Was God. So he immediately starts off by saying, hey, guys, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And you guys know that when you start to unpack this, that when you mean when you say the word, you're talking about the reason life exists. The logos. You're talking about the source of all living things. You're saying, like, this is the light of the word. This is the logos. We're talking about the word. And then 14 verses later, he says something very unique. So he's writing with a high view of the Logos. He he knows he's writing to people with a high view of God. That's why he uses that word, the Logos, the word. Because he knows that the group of people he's sitting down writing to have such a high view of God that they will take the, the, the word Yahweh out of the scriptures and put in Lord because they didn't want to speak God's name and profane it. He's talking to a group of people whose view of God was so high that they would wrap a rope around the priest before they sent him into the tabernacle because they knew it was a chance in God's holy, holy, holy presence that he may not make it out. He's talking to a group of people whose view of God was so high that they would make up hundreds of laws so that they didn't break 10 laws. The writer here is writing to a group of people who has a very high view of God. And then 14 verses later, he says, guys, that word became flesh. He's saying, guys, you believe in the word, you know the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And you guys have this high view of God. Guys, that word became flesh. He's saying you have a high view of God. But get your view of Jesus higher. So already from the first chapter of this book, the writer is sitting down with no other desire but to expand and elevate how you see the person of Jesus. Then he goes into the very first chapter and he he gives this person, Jesus, a bunch of unique terms. He contributes a bunch of unique terms to Jesus. Like, the son of joseph the son of god rabbi king of israel the son of man the word the light of the world the creator of all things the source of grace and truth the lamb of god the messiah all of these terms were contributed to jesus in the very first chapter of the book we're talking about today he's saying guys this this person is unique this person is is different This person is like no other and he's sitting down with this inspired thought and he's and he's with no other desire but to communicate that. And he says guys that God said some things and he did some things that was unique that separated him from the rest. And sometimes he's going to do things that you may not agree with or you may not think is, should, he should be doing. But he's doing so to say, hey, this person is different. And that's because John knows and believes that Jesus is alive and real. And he has the power, the authority to change our lives forever. Forever. You see, this is th- that thought that John is saying, look, guys, this is this is different. I'm going sh- to give you some stories, some illustrations, and I'm going to show you right now that, man, this is this is everything. He is everything we say he is. And the net that he casts and, and the people group that he's willing and able to go to can be all the way uh, left as far as all the way right. Because John knows and believes that Jesus is like no other. So we're going to unpack this really quick. Now, how many of you guys have ever heard of this story before? A lot of us. Okay, so that, that's, a, that's a good thing and a bad thing for me. It's a good thing is because if I touch something in this passage that, you're not, that, that, you're, that you've already know, I mean, I can be shooting myself short. Um, but if I touch something that you don't know or something like that. So, guys, understand I'm going to be a little bit stretched here, but I'm only doing so to communicate a, 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 a strong desire and how this passage impacted me today. Because I just want to encourage you today. And if you have any questions, you can send those to. Oh, no, not 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 David. Send them to Fred. Send them to Fred. Oh, yeah. Send them to Fred. OK, I got you. Um, not 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 to David. Uh, David said to send those to, to Fred. So. um, So. I just want to unpack this real quick. Um, So the way I'm going to unpack this is ultimately um, in three major points. We're going to see three points, which is an encounter, a response, and an outcome. All right? And for the sake of today, for the sake of time, I'm not going to ultimately unpack, um, um, read over every single verse, but we're just pretty much going to skim over um, a lot of it. But this is ultimately the three um, points that I'm covering, an encounter, a response, and an outcome there was an encounter. A Samaritan woman had an encounter with Jesus. Okay. This is huge for a variety of different reasons. And as you start to unpack this story, you see a lot of why that's important. So as we jump into it real quick, it says, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples uh, than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. And, um, I just was, I just thought that like, this was pretty funny. Like, man, how was that for if Jesus did baptize people, right? Like, you know, that's how's that for a resume builder? Like, Hey, I was baptized by Jesus. Who were you baptized by? You know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, I'm qualified for this. I was baptized by the guy, you know? So, but it says, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again from Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now, a lot of you know from studying this passage that as you start to look at the, the landscape of this particular route, Jesus did not have to go through. Um, he, and oftentimes, uh, a lot of people in this particular time would go around because of the relationship that was established among Jews and Samaritans. Um, But Jesus had another thought in mind. He was trying to overall communicate something. The writer here is trying to communicate something amazing and powerful. And I think that's what ultimately uh, this passage is dropped in um, to this uh, um, um, chapter. Um, and he had to pass through Samaria. He came to a town of Samaria, uh, of Samaria called Sachar, near the field that Jacob had given to his sons Joseph. Joseph's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. And it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now, I'm going to pause there just to bring this back because we're going to um, come here again. Um, for his disciples is not there. They went into the town to buy food. Okay. Um, the Samaritan woman said to him, how did that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So right off the bat, um, John is ultimately communicating this story to communicate something unique and powerful and special. That Jesus had an encounter with someone that he typically would not or uh, we wouldn't expect him to have an encounter with. And, he, and, 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 and this encounter um, is, is, is unique because Jesus is breaking social barriers here. He's breaking uh, historical barriers, gender barriers, culture barriers, ethnicity. Um, there's a lot of stuff that Jesus is doing right now to, to, to get and reach this particular woman at this time. Um, and so the encounter was special and purposeful. And it, and it was transformative. Demonstrating God's love as Jesus is breaking societal barriers. So this particular encounter is already unique and special because it's outside of the norm and it's not something that would typically be taking place. And Jesus is going to this extreme measure because he just talked to, a, um, you know, uh, Nicodemus in chapter three. And now he's reaching this woman over in, uh, from Samaria. And this is typically not what would be taking place. This encounter wouldn't be taking place typically in this context. But Jesus is showing ultimately that his love has no barriers. And in fact, his love will empower him to go to different areas and reach people of different sorts. And, and a story that I always use to illustrate this is a story um, that I that I that I was uh, telling the first service um, today was my buddy Tater Chip. Okay, you guys like man Peanut Tater Chip? Man, what what other names is in this guy's uh, friend group or family? Right? What food groups are is he's going to mention next? Well, it's a funny story? My my sister name is Pumpkin. So, I mean, all righty. So, um, so I tell the story about Tater Chip. So i never forget, Tater Chip was, um, get, we were all at his uh, baby shower. He was getting ready to have his second baby. He had his little girl who was about three to four years old at the time, and he was having his baby shower for his second. And in the midst of having his baby shower, um, I heard a couple gunshots go off. We were at the park and a couple gunshots went off. And anybody in their right mind, when you hear gunshots go off and you're in this in- environment, you don't really wanna run and act crazy. You wanna gather yourself, get your ground, and you wanna see where the threat is coming from, and you wanna assess and, and go and try to survive. Because if you got any way of surviving, you gotta know where the threat's coming from so you can act app- appropriately. So I, I, I gather my feet and I go, okay, man, where's the threat coming from? And I see a guy over to the left of me, and he's got a big gun in his hand, and I see another guy that's going towards him with a gun in his hand, and I go, okay, that's where the threat is. Danger is where do you think I'm going? Opposite. Yeah. Opposite way. We're going opposite way. So as I'm going opposite way of where the danger zone is, as I'm going, um, I see my buddy Tater Chip heading back towards the danger zone. And anybody in their right mind, when you see your best friend trying to go in towards the danger zone, you're going to do anything you can to try to stop them from going towards danger. So I, acted, I thought I acted appropriately. So I jumped in front of him and said, hey, tater chip, don't go that way. It's danger, danger. Like, do not go that way. And I promise you, as I pushed on him, he pushed on me. And as I, as I tugged him to go that way, he tugged me to go the opposite way. And we were sitting there, it felt like we were fighting forever, but it was only about 15 seconds. And as I'm pushing, he's pushing me. And all of a sudden, he just throws me to the side and runs off into that environment where the danger zone is. And the only thing that came out of his mouth is what I remember vividly. He said, my daughter, where's my daughter at? You see, and it was right there that I started to see the power and impact of the love of Christ. You see, the only thing that, that, that motivated him to go into the danger zone was the love he had for his daughter. And that love that he had for his daughter empowered him. It propelled him to go forward and go to danger zone, not run away from it, not shy away from it. He was empowered to go. He said, no, 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 because of the love for my daughter, I'm going to get my daughter. And guys, it's in this passage we see that same passion. Because Jesus had just reached this this man named Nicodemus in chapter 3. And things were going good there, and then the scripture says he was he was baptizing folk. I mean, people was getting baptized, the notoriety was coming, and then all of a sudden Jesus says, I gotta go and I gotta get here. But the scripture says he had to go to Samaria, and then everybody may be saying, Hey, don't go, don't go, why go? Why sit amongst? Why be amongst? We don't do that, we don't do that. And Jesus said, No, I'm going because that's the love of Christ, it doesn't have a boundary. It doesn't have a, a limitation. It doesn't have this 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 chain attached to it that says, "Hey, you can only go there. You can't go there." And in fact, it empowers you to go and sit amongst people that you probably wouldn't be wanting to sit amongst if 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 they were Forty Nine er fans. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Um. So there was a, a, a encounter. Okay, there was a response. So the response comes from, I, I think, ultimately, a thing that we see in Scripture all the time. You're going to see a claim or a sign of Jesus, okay? And then you're going to see it lead to um, the, uh, some misunderstanding or, or controversy. Now, for example, the Scripture says that when Jesus turned the water into wine, it was his first sign, right? Right? If you look at the 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 uh, or the first miracle, or first sign, right? If you look at different translations, all right, it says sign, and no one goes to a Starbucks sign and go, "Hey, I'm completely satisfied now, like I have my Starbucks sign." No, it's what the sign is pointing to. So all throughout Scripture, you're going to see Jesus even claims things. I'm this, I'm that, I'm the the, the bread of life, I'm this and that, and that was starting to become very controversial. But then it led to people having to make a decision from what he was either stating or what he was doing. And that decision was positive or negative. And I I only mention this because I want you to know and believe that people can hear something about Jesus, they can hear something about Jesus, and they don't have to respond in a positive way. Because even in scriptures, we see that uh, Jesus um, is doing certain things and people would respond and walk away from Jesus. Some, people, some scripture says, man, uh, he said this stuff, he taught this stuff, and who, who can understand these teachings? It's too difficult, and they walked away. Some scripture says that after they heard the teachings, they would turn to him and go, hey, where will we go? You got the words of eternal life. Then he would do certain things and people will say, man, you only do those things because you have a demon. And then he would do the other things in other places and they would say, hey, uh, you're doing these things because you are God. So we know that Jesus could say something, can claim something, can do something. And that does not mean people will uh, always embrace that. Now, guys, you, I'm, 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 and I didn't even mention this the first service. So um, but this is something that just hit my heart. Now, uh, that's that's our testimony. Because oftentimes we're so excited about what God is doing in our lives and in our communities, but that does not necessarily mean that people will understand that at times and also that they're going to respond positively at times. I never forget, I was on a missionary trip in Jamaica and I was just there passionate. I was gun-holed. I wanted to give people Jesus and I was just there trying to share the love of Christ. And I never forget, uh, uh, um, a guy, uh, a native there, walked up to me and said, F. Jesus. You know, maybe some kids or something in here, fill in the blank. And that shocked me to have someone walk up to me and say that about Jesus. Because I didn't think that he was disrespecting uh, the church. I didn't think that he was disrespecting Hillcrest Bible Church. I I thought he was disrespecting me. Because if he knew me, he would understand why I'm there. If he knew the, the life that God has saved me from, he would know why I'm there. And he would know why I've given everything I can for Jesus and why I have pledged my life to serving him. So when he said that about Jesus, I took that personal. And oftentimes, guys, that's how we feel in life. And that's sometimes why we don't be so quick to share our faith, because we know that they can say anything about it, and that may offend us. But guys, we're talking about a God who was empowered. We're talking about a God who didn't play from by those rules. We're talking about a God who said, hey, 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 it's not about how I'm offended. It's about a God who said, hey, they're, they're probably going to spit on you and offend you, but they did it to me first. It's about a God who said, look, 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 I'm going to sit around Pharisees and tax collectors and you may not want to. Because because uh, uh, this is what the culture says. Don't go amongst people like that or don't sit around people like that. But I'm going to tell you who I am, what I came to do and why I'm so confident in that identity that I'm empowered to go. And that that environment don't impact me, but I impact that environment. Because he was so uh, uh, confident in who he was and what he was coming to do. He said that it empowers me to go to the world. So, guys, I got to go to Samaria. I got to go. No, wait, 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 no, 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 we don't go. We don't sit amongst the unclean. We, we, don't, we don't do that. We don't, these people are considered unclean. They got a low view of God. Why would you do that? Because I am who I am and I'm coming to impact the world. And my love has no boundary. And this is the this is the encouragement that we see starting to brew up in this passage. That Jesus is providing this awesome example of what it means to be hands and a living proof of a gospel in in the world and be hands and go and reach and meet. So when David hit me up and said, hey, man, I'm doing this series, I was all over it. I, I was encouraged. Because I knew where I was, where I was threatened that in my faith, 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 journey. And I knew that there was times when um, I wanted to share my faith or go and sit amongst people and just. But I had to be encouraged a certain way. And, 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 and I'm not here to encourage you. I'm here to say, man, look at the scriptures and allow Jesus to encourage you because he was faced with those same challenges. He was faced with all the same barriers. So this woman had an opportunity to respond to that. It was a natural response. And watch this. It says, the woman left her water bucket, went into the town and told others about Jesus. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak with you am he. He is now stating something about himself. He is now making a claim about himself, and now the uh, the understanding is either going to drop, it's gonna sit, it's gonna land, and then she's gonna to have to now make a decision. So here it is. He says, just then the disciples came back and marveled that she was talking, that he was talking to a woman with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek and why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me all that i have ever did can this be the christ so right in that moment she comes for water she has her water bucket and and you see the reason i pull this out is because there's something authentic about this response there's something deeply personal about this response there's something that's life transforming about this response there's something that's emphasizing the demand for a response, and and I use the illustration in in the previous in the previous um, um, in the previous, uh, in the previous um, Dave, help me out here. Service. service, thank you, my good man. Hey, you can sit up here in the front, thank you. Um, so I used this in in a previous service of this illustration of um, when I was. Um, tricked by my nieces and nephews. So, you know, I got this thing, man, I love my nieces and nephews. You know, I'm, I'm Uncle Will to them. If they ask for something, I try to give it. You know, I'm just trying to be a good uncle. So they come at me with these, with these jelly beans, and they're like, uncle, we want you to try these jelly beans. And I'm just like, okay, cool. They're like, uncle, these jelly beans are good. And I'm just like, yeah, they're good. Let's go. And they hand me a jelly bean, and I take one, and I'm like, ooh. In my mind, I'm like, that's not a good jelly bean, but... These are my nieces and nephews. I got to look good for them. Hey, that's good. That's a great jelly bean. Yeah. They're like, oh, you want another one? I like, give me another one. And it's starting to taste like weird, like diaper and things like that. And I'm just like, what is going on here? And like about four or five jelly beans in, I'm just like, oh, uh, oh, uh, what is that? And they, just, and they just roll out laughter. And, and because they understood, and I, and, and I use this as just a, a, a small illustration, right, to say, look, the jelly beans were demanding a response, and that response was was natural. No matter how much I tried to fight it, no matter how much I tried to hold it in, it was going to get a certain response from me. And, 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 and it did. And, and this experience that I think that she's having is the same exact way. You know, God hadn't met her right where she is. And what made this encounter so special was that John is saying that this is God. That Jesus is God, so she's not just having an encounter with anyone. She's having an encounter with God. God begins to provide the thing in which he said he was going to provide. He says, look, if you knew who it is that was asking you for water, you would ask me in return, and then I will give you this water that's real special. And she said, sir, will give me that water. So I don't have to, you know, and then obviously they're taking the, the conversation to all of these different places. And I don't want to go into that because that 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 us to take up a lot more time. But 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 ultimately she had her water bucket there. And the scripture says that she left her water bucket and went into the town. So something already unique about the encounter is starting to take place to show that it was genuine. See, because she left her water bucket, it means that she was thirsty, that is because she had one in the first place. But then he offers her a water that will start to provide and quench her thirst, and right in that split conversation, and Jesus is already starting to provide that. Because it didn't say that she picked up her water bucket and left. It said that she left that behind and the scriptures is intentional by saying that because the scriptures is trying to see that God had already kept his promise. He is starting to do something in her that was starting to manifest outside of her. And it was starting to become this special encounter. And it was stirring up a genuine response that she couldn't do nothing like I couldn't do when I had that encounter with Magic Johnson. But go back and start to tell somebody about it. And that's the core Of what it means to be living hands. You see, leaving her water bucket shows us that Jesus had a positive impact on her and that she wanted others to receive the same impact. That she was experiencing God for herself. And all of her thoughts were starting to starting to kind of make sense. That's why she said, I know the Messiah will come one day and he'll teach us all things. He says, hey, it's I who is he? He's and she's drawn, he's drawing her into a deeper revelation of who he is. She starts off by saying, sir. Then she goes in to saying, Jew. Then she goes in to saying, hey, I perceive you are a prophet. Now all of a sudden she's going off into the town saying, This is the Messiah. He was drawing her deeper and deeper and deeper into this intimate relationship of saying, look, I am that God. And her response indicated that she was being impacted in a powerful way. Because only God can meet the deepest needs of the human heart through a relationship with Jesus. So I want to real quick go towards the outcome. So what happened here? The people of the town believed that Jesus was the savior of the world. And they were excited about him. And they begged him to stay. And they begged him to stay. It says many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of what the the, the woman's testimony. He told me all that I've ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed with them two days. So the woman's testimony got people to Jesus. She says, look, come and see what God has done in my life. Come and see. And if anything, I want to just encourage you, Hillcrest, is that that's really where it's at right there. If if, if I don't encourage you with nothing else, just continue to go deeper in your personal relationship. And don't be ashamed to be living hands and provide opportunities for people to experience what God is just doing in your life. I was talking to uh, I don't want to put him out on on blast here, but I was talking to somebody here at the church during first service. and, And as he was just telling me his testimony, I was encouraged. He was telling me the things that God was doing in his life and has done in his life and how God has brought him through some things. And just hearing that encouraged me. And if I don't encourage you with nothing else, I think, man, just doing that would be, be it. But watch what happens here. And many more believe because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Your testimony got people to Jesus. But he says, look, if, she said, if you can just come and see, come and see for yourself. I'm going into a town to preach to people that normally that I was considered an outcast in. I've just been impacted by somebody. What's going on with you? Come and see for yourself. Wait a minute, she's coming to impact us? Why is she even here? Let's go and see what she's talking about. And then all of a sudden, the scripture says that they begin to believe, not based upon her, but based upon what Jesus has done. And I'm telling you right now, guys, that is the sense of freedom in being hands. Don't feel like you have to be the one to save. Don't feel like you have to be the one to, 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 to provide the impact. It's God that's doing the saving. It's God that's doing the impacting. Our testimony is just drawing people to say, man, what's going on here? It's drawing you to the light. The scripture says, if he be lifted up, he'll draw all people unto me. That's God doing the drawing. And he's saying, look, 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 these people are starting to experience that. They're starting to say, man, we now believe because of what he is saying. The outcome fulfilled prophecies that ignited missions. It reshaped lives. It satisfied spiritual hunger and broadened perspectives. And this is where I want to land the plane. It's, it's right here. You see, guys, I've read this passage a lot, and I'm sure you have. And, and, and oftentimes when I read it, I'm all, I, I pray every time I read the scriptures that it doesn't grow old to me. I pray that it's not just something that I just hear, hear, and hear, and I know. Or it's not something that when I hear it, um, somebody's speaking on it, and I say, oh, man, I already know they're not hitting the stuff that I normally would hit. So uh, I pray that every time it's, it, it excites me. And that God continues to just walk me through what he's trying to communicate. And I'm always just saying, God, what are you ultimately trying to communicate? God, did I I miss something here? And I tell you what, man, I was talking with Dave even about this. I was radically changed by something that I missed in this text. By something that I've skimmed over years and years of, of seeing this text. And it was right here the satisfaction of spiritual hunger. You see, the scripture says in John 4, in in verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his works. So oftentimes we start to see this passage and we place ourselves as the woman at, at the at the well. And I think that that remains true for all of us. We all can relate to the woman at the well because I believe that God has met all of us because the scripture says that we were dead in our sins. But God, being rich in mercy, reached out to us and made us alive. So to some extent, we know that we all can relate to this woman at the well. But I think that John is also writing to encourage someone else. I think that he's trying to also encourage his disciples, the disciples. He's trying to give us an important note about the journey that the disciples were on. And this is not something that we see here. It's something we see all over Scripture. For Jesus will calm the wind and the sea, and then he will turn to his disciples and go, Hey, guys, why are you still afraid? Have you still no faith? It's times where he will start to say something and Jesus will go, Man, where will we go? You have the words to eternal life. So all throughout scripture, we see this journey taking place, not with those yet to believe, but with those that believe. And and, and John is ultimately saying that there is an impact, a message that he's trying to get the disciples to see. And in order to get them to see that he is going to tie something to the satisfaction of his hunger. He's saying, look, guys, we were doing a good thing here. I had to go there. And I'm going there, and everybody's like, man, why go there? Those are people who, who don't have the same religious views as us. Those are people who we don't associate with. They're social outcasts. They're all of these different things. And he says, no, I'm going there because I'm going to create an impact. Then he gets there, and he creates an impact. And the impact is not just on her, but it's on a whole town. And then they come back with food and say, here, eat. And he goes, hey, I'm satisfied. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, 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 look what's happening. I'm satisfied. He's tying the reaching of this woman in this town to a satisfaction of his hunger. He's giving us a window into his hunger. He's saying, look, I am hungry to reach the world. It is what I'm I'm here to do. And disciples, I need you to see that. Those who follow me, I need you to see that. Guys, look up. The harvest is plenty. And I'm empowering you to do it. He's saying, guys, this is why I'm here. No, 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 it's not about the food. I mean, look, 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 get your eyes up. Get your eyes up, disciples, those who follow me, you who follow me. Look at the opportunity. So he uses this opportunity to teach his disciples an important lesson. Guys, I'm here to impact the world. And you have been empowered to do so too. So with that being said, three takeaways. Aligning ourselves with God's plan will lead to joy. Sometimes there's a big difference between good versus God. Sometimes things are good, but that don't make it God. What was taking place was a good thing, but then Jesus had to go through Samaria for a God thing. And sometimes that can be challenging and then like, man, I don't, you know, aligning myself with that. But oftentimes it do lead to joy. God's radical, boundless love knows no limitations or boundaries. Guys, you are all empowered by the power of the gospel, the work of, that God is doing in your life to go into any environment to go into any situation, and to just be, and to just be. Last but not least, being living proof means being open-minded, open-hearted, and open-hand to what God is doing around you. It means saying, God is no longer about what I want to happen, but it's about what you're doing and how I can align myself with that. And if you hear this message today and you hear nothing but do, 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 I have failed you as a, a speaker, guest speaker today. My heart is not to give you a to-do list, but it's to remind you of your to-be list. Our goal is to just be open-minded, to be open-hearted, to be, to have open hands. It's just to be to to allow the work that God is doing in your life to penetrate you so deeply that you can't help but to want to give that and share that with others in whatever context that look like. Let me pray for us real quick. Mm -hmm. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you, 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 we thank you. We can't thank you enough. You're good, you're great, and you're awesome. God, I pray that you um, just empower Hillcrest. Um, to just continue to just dive deeper in their personal love relationship with you, but that that encourages them to to know that they are empowered to take that to the world and, and whatever the world context look like, whether that be their their homes, whether that be their jobs, whether that be the coffee shop, whether that be um, just ways of just getting involved around here in ministry. And God, I pray that you continue to just bless. Um, this community um, with just a joy and a peace in you that permeates every single environment that that they're a part of our community. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray.